Hi, uh, welcome back to my girlfriend's comic shelf. I'm Alex and... I'm Toria, the my... titular girlfriend. Yeah. Today we're talking about... Do you want to tell us what we're talking about? The Chancellor and I don't know why I'm showing it to the screen as if we're on, we're being recorded. This is an audio medium. It's an audio medium. The Chancellor and the Citadel by Maria Capel France. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And who's this published by? Iron Circus Comics. Cool. I so, actually bought this from Iron Circus Comics in Thought Bubble of 2019. Yeah, so we bought this fairly recently. Um, Tori read it when we got it, but it's been a few months, so we're going to do Tori's usual intro, uh, spoiler-free summary of the comic from memory. So, we bought this from Thought Bubble, right? If you don't know Thought Bubble, um, if you're in the UK... Thought Bubble it's... Comic and Arts Festival. Yes. If you're in the UK, you'll know it's based... Um, well, this year it was based... Last year it was based in Harrogate. Well, this year, well, 2019, it was Harrogate. Years before that, it's been in Leeds. Yeah, so it's it's now considered the Yorkshire con. Uh, it's fantastic. If you've been to conventions and you've seen to Artist Alley, which if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you've been to Artist Alley, the whole con is Artist Alley. And if you're into comics or art, you should go. It's fantastic. It's my favourite con of the season. We always spend far too much money there. Oh, we spent an obscene amount of money there in 2019. And we usually have a table there. So, come by next year, this year, in November, whatever it is, and uh, say hi and buy our books. And uh, that's enough of that. We're not sponsored by Thought Bubble, we just really like it. So, Toria, give us your summary of The Chancellor and the Citadel. Spoiler-free summary. Spoiler-free summary! Okay. In a post-apocalyptic, magic-bound world, not unlike something like Adventure Time, I guess, there lives a cha- there is a chancellor, and they are in charge of keeping safe a city from humans, it sounds like. What happens when a human is in the city? Find out. <laughs> okay, do you want to say like the, the, the tone, the like the art that, that describe it a bit more? That's oh, a okay. bit of a blur, but it was fun, but Oh, okay. Uh well fun the... memory. The artwork is very, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but I really like it. The artwork's very uh, cartoony, but not. Uh, If you're familiar with the artist, you'll know their art. They post it all the time on Twitter. So we'll describe it properly in the art section later. Yeah. Um, It's a very dark, but also kind of uplifting story. Are you good for this section? I guess. you want to say? I can't think of anything. Okay, so we're going to go away now. We're both going to reread the book and we will make some notes and we will come back and talk about it in detail. Uh, see you in a bit. Boop And we're back. We've both read the book. We've both made notes. So without spoilers then, straight in, just dive straight in. So what are your thoughts? Um, mixed. Mixed? Yeah, I like it. I like it overall. But I think it's kind of a flawed book. So oh. it, it's good, but flawed. And I, I, it's pretty. I think the art is the strongest part of it. Mm, I'll agree with you there. Yeah? I had the same thought. It's I didn't think it was flawed so much when I saw it. I think it's more... Um, it leaves you wanting. Hmm. Like, when I finished it, I was like, I'd like to see more with these characters. And I don't know if there is any more. I've had a look on the website, and I don't think there is. There's um, a couple of bits of art on her website, and mm. there's like hints of things that could possibly be in the same world, but aren't. Mm. 
um, mess um, explicitly. But what I mean is, I feel like it leaves me wanting, but not in a good way. Like when you finish a good book and you want more, that's a good. Yeah. Thing. This kind of leaves me wanting in terms of I wish there was something, another chapter or a, a prologue or I feel like I just want just a little bit more in the book. Yeah, I kind of understand that. Um, That's kind of the downside of uh, stuff like this, though, isn't it? It's you can't fit everything that you'd like into one story. Maybe they originally had a lot more and it got edited out. We don't know. Quite possibly, that is true. That's quite possibly true. Uh, should we dive into spoiler story things? Uh, yeah. I mean, we dive into a lot afterwards, don't we? So. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to do a plot summary or should I do a plot summary? Uh, I'll do the plot summary. So, The Chancellor and the Citadel is about, as the title suggests, a Chancellor and the, Cit- the Citadel, they protect. Uh, it's kind of in this post-apocalypse world where humans and non-humans exist, and the non-humans are protected by the Citadel, the humans live outside of the Citadel. It's, yeah, it's very interesting. It's like... It's like a post-apocalypse magic thing, like like a great disaster befell the world, and it feel like it was probably magic related. Yeah, this is what I mean. There's one of the things on her website that is, it's always been here, but now suddenly magic exists as well. It's like it, it's not explicitly part of this world, but it feels almost like an explanation of the apocalypse that mm. happened or the end of the world that happened. So, gone then the actual story. So that's the setting. So that's the setting. The story is um, at one point the Chancellor uh, attacks some humans that are outside and it looks like they're planning a kind of siege on the Citadel kind so of thing. So that's it. The humans attack her. That's what I mean. It was yeah. like, but her retaliation yeah. ends up like seriously injuring and not, if not killing most of them. And uh, she sneaks one of the humans into the city to be healed by a healer. In the in the citadel, and the whole thing is like, oh, there's a human in here. Oh, oh no, what are we gonna do? It's kind of like Monsters Inc. in a way. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? No, no, you're not. It's, just... it's it's Monsters Inc. but with with magical apocalypse. I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely some uh, similarities there. It's got a little kid as well. Yeah, so then after they've discovered this human and, and they're all kind of like, oh my gosh, we're so dangerous, and someone turns against her and they fight, and then, and then, and then, and then, yeah, they like, we won't tell you the exact ending, but. Yeah. So, that kind of brings me already straight to my. I've made a lot more notes on story than I have on art. And I think, like, the, 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 the kind of theme of the book for me was like this idea of moving away from the destruction and violence that brought them to this situation and trying to improve what's left of the world. Like yeah. like violence only creates more violence, so we have to try not to... Don't be violent. Yeah. Because like, after that initial thing where the humans attack her and she destroys them, she's ridiculously powerful, uh, like a lot of magic. And she's like feeling really bad about it and she's trying not to be like that and to be better. Yeah, you can see it throughout the whole book, like she's visibly trying to control herself, but it seems like there's like there's she seems to be breaking the limit a lot of her power and like, you know, just kind of accidentally going full force, I guess. Only like at that point at the beginning. Like she does she she actively doesn't fight back later when she's attacked. Well no, but it's like when she gets angry at the town meeting and like 
Yeah. It's just kind of like, get out of my house. And, you know, there's like magic and stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. You know what I mean? That's the kind of the central theme, and it, it does kind of follow through. But a lot of the details are a bit weird. You, you can see she's trying to be better, and, and it goes through like she's got, like, I guess, a love interest in Olive. Yeah, I so kind of got that. The main character is just called the Chancellor, so we're just going to call it her, probably. Yeah. Um, and Olive is like the healer that you mentioned. Yeah, it's like he's. He, he, she. I read. I interpreted Olive as a she. I kind of interpreted them as like a they, like non-binary, maybe. Yeah, it's not made explicit, so should we just say they? Yeah, we'll say they. They're, they're like the healer. They're. Uh, they're a softy. Yeah, they're a big, big emotional softy. Yeah, but they're not the doctor. And one of my big questions at the bottom is, what is their role in this society? They have magic healing abilities, but they're not the doctor. Hmm. They're just kind of there as the chancellor's friend slash love interest. Yeah, kind of wish there was like some development of what their actual role is because they there's the point where like one of the humans that the chancellor brings in is injured. They take them to Olive, and Olive well, struggles the chancellor to do brings it. it to the to, to a doctor who is not magic. Yeah, who can't heal them, and then they get Olive. But Olive is a healer. Yeah. but they're not a doctor. Yeah, Olive heals the human, which exhausts them. And then, like, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, this is kind of, it doesn't matter for the plot. Like, it, it works, it's fine. But if you start thinking about it more, there's more and more questions. Mm. So, like, what are the people that live in the Citadel? I got, I got the impression that they're, like, uh, some kind of magic users or kind sp- of thing. I've written down, are they spirits? Oh, could be. Because the Citadel, as well as these kind of humanoids, is absolutely full Oh, these little ghosts. Of little ghost figures. Some are like proper little cartoon, like teardrop-shaped ghosts. Some have got arms and stuff. I love them. Yeah, like they're, they're, we're going to probably talk about them in the art. They're really cute. But to me, that's implying that it's spirits versus humans. That's kind of an implication. Kind of like a Mononoke kind of thing. Hmm. But they look like humans, and it's never explicitly stated what they are. Hmm. So just even just a line saying what they are would be nice. Maybe it's maybe it's deliberate. Maybe that's just a personal preference. It's the thing, isn't it? Because it does build up a lot of mystery, and I mm. think that works. It'd be nice if there was a, a reveal of what the mystery was. <laughs> I mean, I would like that too, but maybe it's one of those things where it was left open ended for the people to interpret, like fill in the blanks yourself, kind of thing. Or yeah, I guess maybe it, it was like matter, but or maybe it was a situation of. Um, Maybe they want, I don't know the artist personally, but maybe they want to do something with this world at some point. Yeah, quite possibly there might be more to it. If they leave it open-ended, then they can add, you know, whatever they want as it goes on. Yeah. I think what I've put is, like, all these questions, to me, like, the story's quite sweet. Like, again, that central theme combined with the almost romance between the Chancellor and Olive... Um, is it even an almost? I mean, I'm pretty sure it looks like it's confirmed at the end. Yeah, by the end, it's pretty much a, a moment, isn't it? The relationship between them is is, very, is quite sweet, and the, the theme's interesting and nice, but I feel that the lack of context of the world mm. and all these questions you end up having... Like, if you just read it casually, you might not think of all these questions because we were specifically reading it to talk about. Yeah. We, we, when I first read it, I was... <laughs> 
Well, when I first read the comic, I fell in love with it immediately because of the art and yeah. the story was very sweet. But upon a reread and having to be a bit more analytical about it, you do start picking it apart. But if you're just reading it to have fun with it, you're not going to notice these things. Yeah, I think, I, think. I think that's important to note if you're listening and you, you want to know if you want to read it, then if you're reading it casually and you're not someone who picks things apart, a lot of these things won't be an issue to you for you, I don't think. No, I definitely don't think so. But what I've heard is like the lack of the context to the world, for me, makes the the, the, the theme of the story harder to digest than it should be. Mm. It's like it's quite a simple theme and quite a simple story, but because there's so many kind of mysteries in the world, I find it harder to process than it than it actually is. Like, that's not a, a writing problem. Like, the writing is fine. The, the way it's told through the art, like, the, the, the comic craft is fine. Mm. But it's just something about the lack of context made it harder for me to process and, and the impact to really hit me. I kind of get you with that one. I, I agree. I think I've written that in here where basically all my notes suggest I, I would love to see more of this world. Yeah. I would love to see more of these characters. I'd love to know more about them mm. than what's hinted. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, I've got big questions about, like, the main character, but I think... Let's talk about something that I think does matter when it comes to actual story craft, something that that is actually a flaw, that isn't an over-analytical one. Oh, the big reveal at the end? Yeah, so the big reveal at the end is someone turns on the Chancellor. There's no point saying who... Um, like we don't Did it turn out? Didn't it turn out they were like a spy for the humans? They're the ones that got them to not, try. And... I don't think they were spy for the humans. They were using the humans. But they orchestrated the attack. By oh, humans. so they were Doctor Manhattaning it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, like it's a little unclear, but that's why it's it's like it's only like two lines that say that she was behind the humans. So I guess you could be up for interpretation. See, I never interpreted it like that. I thought she was working with the humans, like in a kind of take it down from the inside. I didn't see it as. Um... You see, my interpretation is she thinks the Chancellor is too dangerous or has too much power. So it turns it against so they want to turn everyone against her kind of thing. Yeah, so like so the humans and then obviously she has this power explosion and kills them all and everyone's chatting about, oh she's so dangerous. Oh she slaughtered them all. But it's self-defense. Here you go. Like Commander, uh, I didn't give orders, I didn't have to, they already wanted to kill you, all the humans do. So that like implies to me that there you go. All I had to do was tell them where you were. So she tipped them off and kind of orchestrated the attack on the Chancellor. Hmm. Then they're talking about there used to be more humans and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, we don't even know who you are. And she's really angry at the Chancellor and then attacks her. And then I think she says something about having too much power. There you go. No no one should have this kind of power. And then the Chancellor's is what makes you think I ever wanted it, which is kind of her whole thing. But this begs the question. What, the, what do they expect? Like she's the Chancellor, right? She rules the Citadel. And I think this is my big note at the end. They look to the Chancellor as a defender. Like She's the one that keeps them safe, keeps the Citadel safe from the dangerous humans that they're all scared of. Mm. But when she goes out and kills a load of humans, they all freak out that she's too powerful and is murderous and dangerous. You can kind of imply it for, like, uh, say, I don't know, if uh, when they make a, a big weapon or something, and it's like... You know, oh, we have this big weapon to protect us. But then the second it's used, it's like, oh, actually, this weapon's bad. I don't think that's what they were going for in the book, but mm. I am saying that is a parallel that can be drawn. I guess. I, I don't I don't necessarily see that one, but I can see how you could interpret like that in there. Oh, I, don't, I personally don't interpret it that way. I'm saying that's how you could if okay. you wanted right. to. 
I, I interpret it the way that you've probably done it, where it's like, I'd like to see where she, one, where she got this power from, and why... And... She's clearly getting this power from somewhere, because she goes off into this thing and talks to someone through a book in this weird white void, which is a cool bit of the comic. Like, all the panels disappear, but... Like, what is that all about? <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool. Oh, it is a cool bit, but, like, what, what, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, she's, like, is she immortal? I'm guessing that she is. Because she gets stabbed through the chest and then... Comes back. And then just kind of gets up like it was nothing and fights them away. But it's very clearly she comes back because the higher force is telling her to come yeah. back. I think it says it in the white void where it's like, get up, they need you, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, like... This is that this whole end bit for me is where the flaws of the lack of context comes in because I didn't even realize that the person who betrayed her mm. was like high up in this society. I thought she was just a random soldier. Well, she was the the one who one of the archers, right? Yeah, but that's like, I thought she was just a guard. But then it turns out no, she's like a significant member I'm, of the society. Was she not at the the like meeting that they have after the attack? Yeah, but there's a whole bunch of people there. No, but was she not heading it? I thought she was. So she's there. And she's clearly, like, she knows the Chancellor, but there's no indication that she's, like, an officer or really high up in the, in the ranking. Well, I think that's the down... That's, uh... It's not really a downside of anything, is it? But, uh... And then suddenly it's like, oh, I don't trust you, you're too dangerous. It's like that kind of, for me, it just felt like it came out of nowhere. Mm. Like, it wasn't foreshadowed. I guess. Do you, I think it's one do of those... Do you disagree? I, I do a little bit. It's one of those things where I think we're meant to take everyone discussing, like, the danger of the Chancellor... Like, maybe as a kind of um, evidence of, like, foreshadowing, like, someone is eventually going to turn on her. Well, that, that kind of makes sense, but it's not just a turn, is it? It's an active betrayal. It's I like, a, I was doing this from the beginning. Yeah. See, that's my, that's my only flaw in the writing that I think matters significantly to a casual reader. Yeah. Like, the, like, that betrayal came out of nowhere to me, and I didn't even know she was a significant enough character to care about the betrayal. That's fair. The way it's executed beyond that is fine, I think. I kind of could tell she was um, a major character just because she has so many, not speaking parts, but, you know, she is usually the one that people are turning to. Like, the bit where Oliver's talking to her and she has to reassure them. Yeah. Kind of thing. That, so, to me, so, so sounds... So like, she's, she's... Okay. She's clearly a main character... I no, didn't kind of like she a, was a significant... Kind of like a matriarchal figure in the, okay. in the society. Yeah, I guess I can see that. I just didn't necessarily pick that up. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, like, all my things are just kind of questions. Like, what have I got? Yeah, what's the main character's deal? She's mega powerful and it's kind of immortal. Is there a guiding force? I think the big thing for me is just like, why Why are you freaking out that she's so powerful? Why don't you trust her? You, you, you clearly have been here a long time and you look up to her as a defender and you know that she's powerful enough to defend you, then when she defends you, you freak out. I just don't get it. I think it's a situation maybe of, like, you know, you like to know in the, hind- in the back of your mind that, like, something is protecting you, but when you actually see the result of how it goes about it, that's when you start feeling like, ooh. I guess a good side to this, though, is, like, there's a thing where they want her to... You, no one's, you can't see the, the, the Chancellor's face. She just has, like, eyes under her hood. Mm. Um... And during the big confrontation, it's like, show us your face, and she won't. Mm. So I guess part of that is they don't know who she is. Yeah. Like, she's as much of a mystery to the other people in this world as she is to us. Yeah. Which I guess is actually a pretty kind of cool bit of storytelling in there. But um, it would just be nice if that had maybe been linked into that. 
distrust a little bit stronger. Yeah. I think that would have solved a lot of the problems. That's fair. I think that's most of my points in story. I feel like I've talked a lot more than you. Is there anything you'd like to talk about for story? Well, you've kind of hit a lot of the points that I had. Um, you've probably talked a lot more because you've had a lot a lot of things to say about the story. <laughs> I have more things to say about the art. So. Okay. I feel like I'm kind of playing catch-up in a world that I would have liked a bit more. This is what I mean about wanting more in the book. If there'd been a chapter at the beginning, mm. say, just setting it up a little bit stronger, or just something, just like one more... Creatures setting up the world just a little bit more strongly. I think yeah. I would have been down. But as it is, I just couldn't quite slot my conception of the world into the story. That's fair. Oh, sorry, oh. Uh, kitten's with me and she is licking my arm. Yeah, the kitten has decided she wants to be part of our recording today and she's sat on toy, so you might pick up the occasional purr or the occasional owl when her sharp claws come out. She's not scratching me, she's just licking me and oh. her tongue is very rough. <laughs> Okay. But anyway, so, back on track. So if we're done with the story... Should we move on to the art? Let's move on to the art. Well, then you've got more to say than me, so let's, let's take, move on take to the, the art. I, uh, I've been following the artist on Twitter for a while now. I've seen like every piece of work that they do, no matter how small, no matter, no matter whether it's for a big project or for something, like just say they wanted to try and do something different with colours. It's always phenomenal and you can see every single bit of detail that goes into it, that goes into it. I got this specifically because I was seeing the work in progresses that was going on behind the scenes. Okay. Like on their Twitter. Yeah. And when I saw like I saw her at Iron Circus post some of the like lines and stuff. And then I found the artist and I was like, oh, I really need to get a hold of this book because <laughs> it looks fantastic. Did you get it online or at a con? I bought it from Thought Bubble. Oh, we got from, it uh, from the from Iron Circus's table. Oh yeah, I think we said in the intro we got it from Thought Bubble, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It's the other reasons why we can't do any of the other Iron Circus comics that I got <laughs> from that event. They're a bit uh, lewd. <laughs> so, yeah, um, everything in this book is great. Um, the art is all is stellar. The way that the story flows, like the panels, aren't really anything special in terms of like, you know, when you think experimental panels, you think like, kind of yeah, it's a very basic standard six panel layout, and then they occasionally varies in terms of numbers. Yeah, like it's not like Dresden Kodak or um, Hannah is not a boy's name. You know, the uh, the the comic layout is kind of very basic, but. That is not a downside. It is very well told story-wise. The story flows phenomenally. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Just trying to say that earlier, that that's not the problem with the, interpreting it. The action in every single bit is like, everything leaves an impact. Everything is... Uh, you see all the emotion, all the like, the impact of character actions. The, I've put here that you can basically see the pen weight on a lot of the stuff. I don't get what she means by that. Like, you can see, say... Take, take, take the, cat. the cat. There you go. <laughs> okay, so let me find a bit that might illustrate this. Say here, for example. Okay. You can see the cross-hatching yeah. and shading on all the bits that add to the effects. And you can basically see the, the, the weight of the pen and the, the pen nib and the brush or whatever they were using yeah. at the time. It was like you can basically feel the weight of that pen. 
Do you mean like in turn, like in, like as an emotional thing, or do you mean like like with the line weight and you know the cross hat, the use of hatching? Yeah, and... you can see a lot of the details. There's a lot of fine detail in all the in the line work. But you can basically see where like the start of the pen press was and the end of it. Is was... that is that a good thing? Yes. Okay. There's <laughs> something else. I feel like that's something that if you're an artist, you'll appreciate. I don't really appreciate that. I th- I just think I love seeing the being effort, able to see the craft, the craft and the effort that goes into the okay. artwork. I could appreciate oh. that. Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think she needed a drink. Okay, we can edit. We can edit a gap out. Well, no I think problem. you should leave a bit of it in. It's kind of funny. Yeah, we can. Okay, you ready to go back? Yeah. What were we talking about? The the oh. art. Okay, so yeah, so like you can see the craftsmanship and the the effort that goes into it. Yeah, I get that. Okay, I would definitely agree. Like the paneling out, like because it's such a simple base, when it splits off from that, even just combining two panels into one, it's done in a way that it always uh, impacts how you read it. Or when it gets to the bit where all the panels are gone. Yeah, that's such a cool bit. That's like right at the end. All the panels disappear, and it's just white. With... It's just white with the image in the centre. Yeah, and, and some text. And it's just a couple of pages, but because the panels are so consistent throughout it, it, uh, it has a lot of impact. Mm, as like a story beat. Yeah, as is the occasional full-page panel. I also think the use of colour is really good in this. Like, the colours, the, the colour scheme is quite like a, an earthy, muddy kind of thing, except for the translator, who's always like blue. Uh-huh. So yeah. you've got kind of earthy tones. Magic is always recommended with blue. Uh, it's not. Not always, The Chancellor's magic is blue. The Chancellor's magic is blue. Olive's magic is yellow. Yeah, I was about to say, like, every magic user has a distinct magic. Yeah. Oh, is Olive a chef? It looks like it. I yeah. think Olive might be the chef, which is weird for a healer. Um, <laughs> so we've just we've just realised that. So yeah, Olive is yellow, and then the Chancellor's magic is blue, and the magic of the villain is red, which I guess is one of those foreshadowy things. Red is usually associated with evil. Yeah, possibly. But like that, that it it does fit their characters because it also fits like how they dress and how they yeah. are portrayed, which is which is pretty pretty cool. Like the mag- the the tone of the the colors and the the art, it really does. It manages to really uh, help create a deeper feel to the world. Yeah, it is so appealing to the eye to to look at any of these images. I think. Yeah. I I would take a couple of these and just have them as a print. I'm pretty sure you. There's a couple of prints of some of the panels on her website. If that appeals to you guys as well. But it's like some of the shots of the city, like. They are fantastic. Or the one of the Chancellor when she's like, like this one. Yeah. This one where it's like the Chancellor in the middle of a big room surrounded by like spirit orbs. And it's just, that would be a fantastic print. It's very pretty. It's the, the level of detail in some of the shots is phenomenal. Like, like you said, the shots of the Citadel or the library. Like The Chancellor spends a lot of time in this massive, like, library. Clearly magical library. And the detail in the backgrounds is really quite amazing. Like, my. F- first note beyond it's pretty in the art section is the citadel is gorgeous. Yeah. Like the way the citadel is portrayed is absolutely gorgeous. It's also a big distinction between the detail that goes into the background and some of the simpler stuff like the little ghosts. I love the little ghosts. The They're little ghosts so cute. are great. Like it, it really gives a feel to the citadel that it is this magical spirit city. It's not just a city. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
I guess all details like that, like because the tone of the world is this post-apocalypse kind of thing. Obviously, color scheme can do a lot to contribute to that, but it's also fantasy. Yeah. And again, color scheme can often do that, and it manages to mix those two and create such a good, um, like a fantasy feel, but like not a dark fantasy, but like a melancholy kind of fantasy. Like it works for the post-apocalyptic theme. Yeah. It's, it's not... like a post-apocalypse, but. Not the kind of post-apocalypse where you think Mad Max or Fallout. It's and like, it's not like dark fantasy like The Witcher or something. Yeah, it's like, it's it's a society that's thriving. Oh, well, it's not thriving, it's surviving. Surviving. <laughs> and, you know, the, the way that the colours work really reflect that. Mm. It creates such a good atmosphere to the comic. Mm. Like the heart is, is phenomenal in the whole thing, I have to say. I think they, they they're very the characters are very expressive as well. Yes. You mentioned that a little bit. I did, yeah. The the every emotion really hits in all of them, even the subtle ones. I think that's that's a weakness that I think some comic artists have is that expressions aren't necessarily easy to read. No, it's a big problem I have with a lot of stuff like the mainstream comic style I think doesn't really work for some things, especially yeah. if you're going for like softer emotional stories, because expression is everything with those. But this I think the artist really, really manages it very well. Mm. They've clearly got, like, even the, like, simple faces and stuff when, like, you know, stuff played for comedic effect or, you know, very basic expressions. All the way they, through to when, like, it's a close-up of Olive crying or... Yeah. They all, like, you feel every emotion these characters are portraying. The thing that gets me the most, impresses me the most, is the Chancellor. Because as, as I mentioned before, the Chancellor has a hood and you never see their face. Um, it's kind of a combination hood, cape, and almost almost at times looks like... Um, like a headscarf? Like a, yeah, like a Muslim headscarf. Yeah. Instead of some mix of the three. It's quite pretty, really, but... Um, but you get a lot of emotions just from her eyes. Yes, all you can see is her eyes and her and like a line for her mouth. Yeah. And yet it's still very, very expressive. You can really see her her feelings and stuff, which is I think really quite an achievement. Mm. Um, there's occasionally a little bit like you've got a silhouette of a nose there. But um that's it. And it, it's really quite an achievement how how you can capture her feelings and emotions through that. Yeah. And obviously the body language helps, and the body language is just as good. This is going to sound really silly, considering how much we were just praising this. I almost sometimes think the characters might be a little tiny bit too expressive. You think? But there's the occasional time when the, the amount that their expressions change between panels is very dramatic. All over, especially, like, she'll go from, like, angry to, like, influence of tears in, like, one panel, and it'll be like, whoop. <laughs> I kind of got that from, that's their character, though. Oh, yeah, I just, like, this is a tiny nitpick. Like, I, I've even said... I might even be talking nonsense in my notes. And I think that is just because I was looking for stuff to talk about. So maybe... I, I don't know how I can say this is a complaint. No, I don't. It's just something weird that I noticed that, that, that they're so expressive that the expression changes can feel quite dramatic. Is maybe a better way of putting it. Well, I think maybe that's the point, though. Yeah, it probably is, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's all we've really got to say about it. One thing I would like to add is the cover of the comic. Oh, it's so good. It's like got this embossed feel and like foil for like some magic outlines and it's such a nice front cover. So of course I always put the, the front cover as the, the picture for the for the podcast. But I don't think it'll give it justice. It really won't give it justice because like you'll see there's the Chancellor with a sword and some like smoke around her. 
uh, the little ghosts, but all the smoke is shiny and like metallic, um, as is some of as is little bits of the sword and the writing. And there's the embossed. It's just it's so it's such a beautiful book. Mm. It's a very very pretty comic book. So spoilers over. Mm-hmm. Give your spoiler free final. No, we've already done spoilers. My, give your final final, final some of your thoughts. Yes. I think this is a genuinely beautiful little fantasy book. I think the storytelling is a bit lacking at points, but it's not a bad thing. It's good, not the writing. No. Yeah, I, I don't not, know if we made that clear enough to think the writing is good. I like think the there dialogue. Are, I think there are just bits that I would have liked an expansion on. Yeah. Like I would have liked to see more of these characters. I would have liked to know more about the world. Mm-hmm. But that in itself is not a bad thing. If you like good storytelling and if you like beautiful, like outstanding artwork, then this is definitely something you should pick up. You know what I kind of wish? What? Because I kind of wish this was standard comic size. Yeah. Because it's an A5 comic, but the art is so beautiful, I kind of wish it was a full, almost A4 So you can see all the detail. Yeah. I'm sure there was a reason they picked this. Maybe they just didn't have the art in a high enough resolution or, or whatever, but I kind of wish it was a little bigger, just because it's so pretty. I think it's just so it will fit like with your regular yeah. books on a bookshelf. <laughs> I just, the whole comic should be bigger, is my thing. It should be bigger because of the art, and it should be just a little bit thicker because it should have like one extra chapter's worth of content. <laughs> Basically, to uh, Maria Capel France, write more. I want more. <laughs> uh, make make your comics more. Is my my thing. So yeah, my final thoughts are very similar to yours. It's it's a beautiful book. Um, the the art and the comic craft, I think, is, um, is 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 fantastic. And if you're into that, this kind of art, like if you check out a Twitter or a website, and if you like the look of the art, you'll love the whole book um, artistically. The writing is fine. Is is fine. I, I think. Most of the flaws in the story are if you are going to analyse it. So if you're going to read it casually, you'll almost definitely enjoy it if you like fantasy stuff. I, I'll agree with that one. And for the price as well, it's not too bad. I mean, it's listed as $15, but I got it for £10. At con. Yeah. So, so at a shop, it might be 12 or something. Something like that. I think online, it's, it's also listed as $15, which is not that much, I think, for a book of this standard. Yeah, no idea what that is in pounds, though. Well, it's like 12 12 15 Yeah. £13? Yeah, so I would imagine it's 12 13 Not including postage. Okay, so the last little bit is, as usual, who would you recommend this? Would you recommend it and who to? Well, I already said I would recommend it. I would recommend this to, uh, I think the age that it is aimed at is like older teenagers. Probably. I would probably aim it for like teenagers and maybe adults. If you like the art, if you like this kind of artwork... I know a lot of people when they get to when like adult comic readers are kind of funny about more cartoony artwork. Fantasy arty, yeah. Well, it's not really fantastical fan- art. <laughs> fantastical art. It's like it. It is a bit cartoony, and that. But that's not a bad thing. I, I wouldn't say cartoony. There's too much detail, too much, too much lines and the shading. For but cartoony. you know what I mean, and like the the way that the humans it's not realistic. are drawn. It's not realistic, yeah. but that's not a bad thing because I do that myself. That's how I draw. Yeah, it's, so, it's a very nice style. I think. I personally love this style. It's what drew me to the book in the first place. So if you're into this kind of art and you're into very well told fantasy, but you don't mind that it won't probably 
It would be the greatest story you've ever read. It would be the most filling story. Like, think of it as, like, a nice afternoon cake. <laughs> it looks a... nice, and you have it, and you're like, I'm glad I had that. And you've still got the rest of the day to, you know, have real food and stuff. That's not saying that this isn't a real comic or anything, but... It, you... it, it's not a double chocolate devil's food cake. It is not a devil's food cake, <laughs> and, it is, and it's not... Um, but it's not a, a three course meal. Yeah. You you'll be fine with the fact that you know you you just had the nice the the really nice food. So to summarize all our food metaphors and slightly <laughs> silly thing, if you like the look of this uh this this artist's art, pick up the book. You will not be disappointed. If you like this kind of light fantasy, um, again pick it up. If you're happy to read it casually and not think too hard, or you're just hoping for more in the world after you've read it, again recommend it for the price it's well worth it basically if you like game of thrones you won't like this yeah <laughs> but it's if you like say oh, what's a good what's overall a good i would say it's a recommended yes it's definitely a recommended I would, I would i it was worth full price and it's a good spot on a college oh i would 100 percent recommend it definitely do you have anything else to say or are we done buy more from Oh, wait, yeah. Uh, buy books from Iron Circus. They have a fantastic range. It's not just porn. <laughs> but also there's porn, if you like porn. If you like porn, there is porn. <laughs> but... Erotica, sorry. Erotic oh, sorry. graphic er- novels. Erotic graphic novels. We're going to use the gentrified term. Um, <laughs> but there are some fantastic works on there. They are a phenomenal publisher. Uh, they have a bunch of stuff that is going to come out soon that I'm very looking forward to reading and will probably end up being featured on this. So not not just like the lewd stuff, because obviously you can't really describe that in this kind of format, but stuff like, th- there's just so much. If you check we'll out get there what they have, we, get there. we will get there when we get there. She's too excited about, about books right now. Okay, on that note, final reminder, this was The Chancellor of the Citadel by Maria Capel France and published by Iron Circus. Mm-hmm. The link to the to her website and her Twitter will be in the description. For those of you who can't see the description, the Twitter is at Maria C. France. That's Maria C. F. R. A. N. T. Z. Uh, so check that out. There'll be links to her website and stuff on there. Mm-hmm. You can pick up the book from Iron Circus Comics. That's Spelt as it you would think. Yeah, that's that's. Um, you can pick it up from there, or you can pick it up from their Amazon uh, shop. I think they have it there too. Yes, yeah, so there'll be links to somewhere you can buy the book as well. Okay, so next episode, what we're we gonna be reading, Toy? We're gonna be reading uh, Pumpkin Heads by written by Rainbow Rowell and drawn by Faith Erin Hicks. Cool. If that sounds interesting to you, please come back next next time. Uh, Follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, and we will see you in two weeks' time. We will catch you on the flip side, dude meisters. Bye. If I were a rich man with a million or two I'd live in a penthouse in a room with a view and if I were handsome, no way. it could happen, cause dreams do come true. I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have.